Welcome, welcome, welcome to Element City Church. We are so honored to have you here in the room. Those of you who are maybe out checking kids in or those of you zooming in online, watching from either YouTube or from the website, we are glad to have you here tuning in with us. If you happen to be new, we'd love to, to meet you. We have a thing called the 10-Minute Party, which is back here. Guess how long it lasts? Yeah, like less than 10 minutes. And if you are a guest here tonight, uh, we have the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. I'm telling you, it's the best. You'll love it. And then you'll want to come back. So we got that for you back there. We'd love to say hi and meet you, just kind of hear your story a little bit. Uh, we know it takes courage coming to a new place. So thank you for either dialing in. Uh, if you are online, we have an amazing host that would love to meet with you, kind of pray with you if you need that, answer questions, and you can fill out your connection card if you have that. If if you're here in the room and you're new, you can text the word hello to our text number 520-340-6868. Just text hello. You'll get a couple texts back. We'll be connected, be able to walk with you uh, as we kind of get to know one another over the next couple weeks. So uh, one of the things we have coming up, if you are a married couple, we would love to invite you to our marriage retreat. It's ours and Emmanuel. Emmanuel is the church that meets here in the morning. Uh, we are joining their marriage retreat. We've done this the last couple years. It's in August. But you need to reserve your spot by filling out uh, the info card that's in the app. You could download the app right from your app store, Element City Church. Click on the events. You'll go to marriage retreat. You'll find all the information you need for that, that first weekend in uh, August. And then we'd love to have you fill out and get connected. If you do that here in March, that'll save your spot. And you can do the rest uh, kind of at the end of April and into May. So we'd love to invite you. Amy and I will be there. Lyle and Anya will be there. A few others from here that have already signed up. We'd love to invite you to join us in that. So tonight we've got a just wonderful night planned for you as we worship together. So we're going to worship. You're going to hear a brand new song tonight uh, that Anya wrote. And uh, I'm excited. If you learn it in Ukrainian, uh, come see me afterwards and I'll give you $5. That's the deal. So you're going to have to pay attention uh, for that. So we would love uh, for you to just kind of dial in with us. If you're here in the house, I'm going to invite you to stand up where you're at. If you're at home, Scout's honor, it's on you. Uh, and uh, we'd love to invite you to, to just pray with us. Every week we pray for the church of the week. This week is Hope City Church and my buddy, Pastor Jeff. We'd love to pray for his church and for our time together tonight as we just linger in God's presence, continue in our series. You're gonna be blessed with what Lyle has to share tonight. So let's pray. Father, we come tonight um, and we just pause. We know in the, in the hustle and bus of life and the hurry of life, we just want to pause. And tonight is a night for us to receive. Father, we're asking, maybe our palms open, God, to receive from you. You're a good God. Each one of us might be in a different spot where we are in our journey of life, our season of life, what we're having to navigate. So for those that need encouragement, we pray that tonight would be a night that encourages their heart for those that need comfort, that your spirit would minister to them. God, for those of us that might need a challenge to call to something greater, would your spirit challenge us, nudge us in the ways that we're to go. Father, we gather as the church in a moment where we need to hear from you. And we're asking to experience you tonight. Father, we pray for Hope City Church, Pastor Jeff and his team there. God, there's a million plus people 
in this city that are not connected to any faith community and you've given them a heart and passion for the 22nd corridor and we're praying your blessing over Jeff and his team. God, would you provide uh, the provision that's needed, the leadership that's needed, the resources that's needed for Hope City Church to thrive and to have an impact for the kingdom. And God, tonight we ask that your spirit would move in worship as our heart's attention is settled on you that you'd minister to us as we look into your word and that you'd move us each into our next steps with you, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Let's put those hands together.
stories of a savior holiness with human hands treasure for the traitor
under your control and this is hard to say God we call our hearts tonight God and we come and we ask Holy Spirit to make the way for you to move in a powerful way God, I know we've been singing the songs tonight saying there's no other God like you and the one who can move the mountains and can break the prison walls. The one who can do all things, the one who is above all, the one who is greater. The one and Lord, and it's also hard to sing today for me personally that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Because when we, when everything is great, Lord, it's just awesome. But when the things are going wrong way, how can we find faith to stand on these promises, Lord? And we need Holy Spirit for the times like that. So tonight, God, we want to stand firm on your promises. We want to believe fully that you are worthy that you are our anchor, that you are a defender, you are a rock, salvation, and the light. And you have all the things under your control. We love you, God. You are worthy of it all. All the praise and glory and honor to you, God. We thank you. We love you, Jesus. May you be glorified tonight in the hearts. And we pray all these things in your beautiful and precious name of Jesus. And you may be seated. And this next song that we will sing, um, like Jack said, it's actually Psalm 27. It was written last year uh, in the season of uh, when I lost my hearing and when I, had, um, when I went through some health issues. And this song was also selected top 10 in my country for the second um, Worship Ukrainian um, album. And actually, Lyle and I, back in September, we went to Ukraine, Kyiv, um, for this project and for the presentation. And uh, Psalm 27, we just thought that tonight would be appropriate to uh, sing the song for the first time here at Alamance City Church uh, in Ukrainian. Um, and you know, uh, this psalm has been a psalm, kind of like a, a Bible verse of my life for over 20 years, if not more. And um, when the battles would take place in my life, um, this is the place where I would go back, Psalm 27. And I would always find something new in there. God would always heal my heart and give me strength through this uh, Psalm. And tonight, I, I want this Psalm to be as the prayer for all my family and my friends who live in Ukraine. And um, also for those who were part of this album and this project. And, you know, we hope and we pray that one day, hopefully in the near future, they will be able to uh, 
um, go back to their music instruments and write songs again. But for now, they have to take up their shields and their swords to defend their cities and um, to protect their loved ones. So as I read this, um, these words, actually I'm going to read from Psalm 27. You probably guys know, and then we're gonna have the words on the screen and then I will sing a song. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in His sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on the high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God, of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will always hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of the things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Yeah. 
the earth longs for you. That's what that says. And it just, I don't know that we've seen that more drastically in these last couple of weeks. Um, and it's just, it's been pretty emotional for Anya, for me to watch what's happening and to know so many friends and, and loved ones who are uh, just really struggling right now. Um, but there's hope. There's always hope in Jesus. And uh, even last night, even last night, Anya comes in, and I, I'll be honest, I was getting a little annoyed uh, because I was wanting to watch something on TV, uh, wanted to do something to just get my mind off of everything that was going on, and uh, she's just hammering away on the phone, hammering away, you know? And I'm getting a life into, or a look into the life that she lives, because I'm, let's be honest, I'm the one who's usually on my phone, but uh, she comes running into the room, and she's like, my younger brother, just sent me a message and she reads this message to me. Her younger brother hasn't ever given his life to Christ. No one in her family is even interested in faith other than her babushka, her grandma. And her younger brother texts her just this really emotional text of, I'm sorry I haven't been there. I'm sorry I haven't remembered your birthday. I'm sorry for all these things, but ultimately there's a faith that you have 
that I've never had and I want it. And for Anya to just get emotional as she's thinking about this and um, one of Anya's prayers has been that her babushka would see somebody else in her family come to Christ. And so in the midst of tragedy, Jesus is there. There's hope. There's always hope. Um, and we obviously have our, our connection to Ukraine, so we're passionate about that. We're going to have a way for us to help, something that we can tangibly do. We're going to talk about that uh, when the service is over. But uh, for those of you who are, this is your first time with us, maybe welcome uh, to Element City Church. My name is Lyle. I'm one of the pastors here. Whether you're joining us, uh, you might be online uh, streaming us into the living room. You might be listening to us in your car in the middle of the week, regardless of when it is. Uh, we just want to thank you uh, for being with us tonight, for tuning in. And we're in the middle of a series that we're calling Follow. It's all about continual next steps with Jesus. It's really, this is a sermon series that's on discipleship. And we have a definition of what a disciple is, what it's about. And so a disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus. It's someone who's becoming like Jesus. And it's someone who's committed to the mission of Jesus. We wanna be a church that when you talk about the people who come out of Element City Church, that people would see us and they would know that we are people who know and follow Jesus, that we're people who are actively doing our best to seek him so that we can become more like Jesus. And ultimately, we want to be committed to the mission of Jesus as well. So in the midst of this series, we've started by talking about last week, it was you got to take a step. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to take the step. And sometimes that step requires faith and that can be difficult. And so... Maybe uh, you're new to this following Jesus thing. Maybe you've never made that decision that you want to follow Jesus. Uh, But I think that there's a question that we should all ask, regardless of how long we've been following after Jesus. And it's this, what is the end game? What is God hoping to get from us? Or what is God hoping rather to give to us uh, for following after him? What's the payoff? If years down the road, you're 60, you're 70, you're 80 years old, and you're looking back on your life and you're thinking, I'm so glad I followed Jesus. Why? What's the payoff? What's the reward? What is God's end goal in having you become a follower of Jesus? And it might surprise you to know this. It's not to be a better person. It's not that you would become a better person, but you will. You'll become a better person if you follow Jesus. You'll be more generous. You'll be more loving. You'll forgive people quicker. You'll be kind. You won't worry about some of the things that you used to worry about. And yet when we read the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when they talk about Jesus, we don't see Jesus saying, follow me and you'll be a better person. Or follow me and you'll be a better father, a better mother. You'll be a better coworker, a better student, a better friend. That's not the promise. The other thing that he doesn't say that some of us might expect him to say is follow me so that you can go to heaven. For some of us, we grew up in a generation where that was the message was it was all about going to heaven and we had to be afraid of hell. You know, we can take it back to the 1700s with Jonathan Edwards and the spider dangling over the fire, uh, which he regretted that sermon, by the way. He preached this sermon that leads to the great awakening in the Americas and he regretted the sermon because he became uh, known really for one line that he felt so misrepresented the heart of God. So it's not uh, to follow Jesus that we can get into heaven, but you'll go to heaven, you will get heaven, And we do see that Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. He does talk about what it's going to be like, what the people who will inhabit the kingdom will be like as well. But the theme of Jesus' ministry in the Gospels isn't where you spend eternity. 
And it's not to give us a pain-free, problem-free life. For some of you, that might have been the message that growing up, uh, that was the message that you kind of heard, that you kind of took. And let's be honest, there's a lot of uh, people in Christianity who like to mix this idea into their faith. And I'm just here to tell you right now, let me clarify for you. Anytime someone says, pray this prayer, or do this thing, or memorize this verse, and memorize these words, repeat them, frequently touch this thing, then God will do this for you. That's not Christianity. It's not following Jesus. That's magic. That's what that is. It's magic. And the thing with magic is it's just like Brian Fantana's cologne and Anchorman. 60% of the time, magic works every time, right? That's the thing with magic. Some of the time, magic will work. All magic works some of the time. Let me give you an example. My uh, sophomore year of high school, I played uh, baseball all throughout high school. Uh, our team, I was on the JV team that year, and we were stacked, okay? Our team was loaded. We were so good. And so I had started what had become a tradition to begin with, and it eventually became a superstition. How many of you are superstitious? Some of you? Yeah, you're in church. You can admit it. It's all right. There's grace here. So I'm superstitious, all right? I started this tradition, and I would have a toaster strudel every game day for breakfast. You remember the toaster strudels? I don't even know if they still sell them, but they had the little frosting packet, so it was way better than the Pop-Tarts. Get those Pop-Tarts out of here, right? When you've got the frosting and you get to do it yourself. So every game day, I'd make sure that I'd eat this toaster strudel, and I'm not kidding. Our team was stacked. We started the season 14-0, and 0, okay? Like we were just rolling through opponents. And then finally, there was that day. We had a game earlier in the week because it was one of those like three, three games a week uh, kind of situation. And so it's Tuesday instead of Thursday and I open the freezer and there's no toaster strudel. And I'm panicked. You know I'm panicked at this point, right? It's like, mom, where are the toaster strudels? And she's like, honey, you know I go to the grocery store. I don't even remember what she said, to be honest. They weren't there. I was panicked. I blamed mom. Mom's like, get over it. You know, what happens? We go out, we play Red Mountain and we lose the game. That was our only loss the entire season. And that was the only breakfast where I didn't have a toaster strudel on game day the entire season. And right, like it's, we didn't lose the game because we didn't execute. We didn't lose the game because the other team was better than us. We lost the game because I didn't get to eat the breakfast that I'm used to eating. Right? All magic works some of the time. That's the idea that we get. I love Andy Stanley's example with this. Maybe you need a job. Right? If you need a job, let me tell you, here's what you do. You get dressed every morning and you wear the clothes that you would wear to the work, uh, to the job that you wanted to, to get. And then you take your Bible and I want you to stand in front of your door and I want you to read the first two chapters of the book of Job. Why are you laughing? Unbelievers, right? And that's the other thing about magic. When the magic doesn't work, it's not the magic's fault, it's always your fault because you didn't believe enough, right? because all magic works some of the time. But Jesus did not come to be your magician. Pain-free, problem-free, it's not the payoff. So before we get into the text that I wanna look at today, we're gonna to be in Matthew chapter 10. And I wanted to find a passage in scripture that we could look into where we get to see what the payoff is. And the reality is, it's all throughout the Gospels. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see this message from Jesus, and it's important for us to get it. 
And so before we get into the text, uh, I always want to set some context because context is important. And so Mike has already got his five-minute nerd out hat. So if you've got your hats, we're going to nerd out together. I'm going to call this a five-ish minute nerd out. Not a full five, because we're actually going to go a little shorter than that. I know, shocker. Usually it's like a seven to eight minute nerd out. Huh. For those of you who have suffered through that, today we get a shorter one. So here's our five-ish minute nerd out about context for this passage. Uh, it's pretty early in the ministry of Jesus. And what we need to know is that Jesus at this point in Matthew 10, he's got three types of followers. And really all throughout the Gospels, he had three types of followers. So follower type number one would be the locals. So Jesus would go from town to town and he would uh, bring his ministry with him. He would preach, he would heal, he would do things and there would be people, the locals that would come out and they would wanna hear the words that this man had to say. They would wanna see the things that Jesus did. And then when Jesus would leave, they would go back and they would uh, live their lives, right? Secondly, he had people who went with him everywhere. These are Jesus's friends and I call them the friends and the fans. So you've got... uh, Friends as in like Mary, Martha, Lazarus, people who are close to Jesus. And because they were close to Jesus, they wanted to be with him everywhere he went. But then you also get the fans. And the fans, they kind of had that FOMO, right? They had the fear of missing out where it's like, this guy, he has, there's something to the way that he teaches, the words that he preaches, these miracles that we see him do, that this is, this is more than a man. There is something here. And so we'll see in the Gospels that Jesus, throughout his time of ministering, he had sometimes thousands of people that would gather around him to hear what he'd have to say. And he would sometimes, going from town to town, have hundreds of people following after him. And those were the friends and the fans. But as we get to Matthew 10, we get to the third type of follower. And that's his apostles, the 12 that he picked. You see, so many people following after him. And this wasn't uncommon in those days for Jesus being a rabbi. It wasn't uncommon for a rabbi to grab people who would be following after him. People that he wanted to invest into. People that he wanted to teach so that they could carry on his ministry. And so you might have heard these if you grew up in church. Uh, you might have heard them called the disciples. So Jesus gets his disciples together and this is his inner circle. And so now that he's picked all of them, he sits them down. And at the beginning of Matthew 10, he starts telling them what he wants them to do. He says, here's where I want you to go. When you go here, this is what you're to do. These are the things that you're supposed to bring with you. And these are the things that I expect of you. And then he surprises them with what it is that we're about to read together here. And so it's in this little section of the book of Matthew where we get to discover the finish line. We see the place that the heavenly father wants to take you and wants to take me as we follow after Jesus. And before, last thing, before we get into this passage, just a little bit of a primer. If you're new to this faith thing and you're just kind of exploring, there's really good news for you. What we're about to read here, this was for his disciples. This is is not gonna happen to you, let's be honest. For the vast majority of those of us in this room, there might be one or two people that these types of things could happen. But the reality is this isn't really anything that we need to worry about in our day and age. So we just get to kind of peek in on a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And so Matthew chapter 10, we're going to be in verses 16 through 21, and then we're going to read 21 through 20, uh, sorry, 28 through 31 uh, in a moment after that as well. You can follow along in the Bible app, by the way, if you've got that, uh, you can go there. And we've got all the notes, we've got the passages. So Matthew 10, 16, it says this, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. 
So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Now the disciples here, they're probably like, all right, time out, okay? What did you just say, Jesus? Because here's what we have to understand. At this point in time, following Jesus is popular. People love Jesus. They love what it is that Jesus has come to do. He's coming, he's healing people all over the place. He's teaching these sermons that people are hearing and they're just like, wow, this is like, it's changing their life. Jesus is popular. So the closer you are to Jesus, the more popular you are. So to be the 12, the people that Jesus has handpicked, you're like, we're in, we've got it made. And now Jesus is saying, hey, you're gonna be arrested and you're gonna be delivered over to these people. So beware of men. And we know now in the book of Acts that everything that Jesus just said here, that's what's gonna happen to the disciples. But at this point in time, keep in mind, they have no idea that things are about to turn for them. So check this out. Verse 19, Jesus says this. When they deliver you over, notice, when they deliver you over, Jesus is basically telling his followers, his disciples, when you are arrested, not if, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. Now, I don't know exactly what the disciples are thinking at this point in time, but I know myself, and I know that if I were there, I'd be like, all right, Jesus, you need to hold up. Uh, I won't be worried about what I need to say. I'm gonna be worried about the fact that I just got arrested. Right? Like, if you're sitting in a cell, the last thing on your mind is, oh, what do I say? Like, it's like, no, I'm in a cell. I'm not supposed to be here. This is the popular guy that I'm following. I thought there was something better awaiting me here. And so Jesus says, when they deliver you over, don't be anxious about what you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Now again, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm probably like, I don't need you to give me what to say in that hour. I need you to get me out of jail, right? Monopoly, give me the get out of jail free card. What does that look like? And Jesus continues in verse 20, he says, it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so in this moment, Jesus gets to the end of this, this little section here and he's setting up this tension that we all have to live in. He says, he tells them, when this happens, do not be afraid. Now the good news is this, the disciples didn't really get this until the very end. They struggled with this and time and time again, we see over and over, Jesus will test the disciples and see how they're doing in their faith and their ability to not be afraid and to trust him. It's not like they just sat in this moment like Matthew's writing this all down like, sweet, got it, okay, don't be afraid, check, keep going, right? That's the tension that we all live in today. But dropping down to verse 28 here, Jesus finishes this section and says this, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? 
the idea here is he's talking about how cheap two sparrows are. If you were poor back in those days and you wanted meat to eat, you could go buy a couple sparrows and it would cost you like a cent. It's cheap, right? So he's saying, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. And what we see here in this moment is where Jesus is taking his followers and we see where he wants to take you and he wants to take me. He takes us to this place where our faith in God is so big and it's so strong. He takes us to a place where we feel that we're so secure in our Father's love that even in the midst of circumstances where it looks like God may have abandoned us or maybe God never even knew us to begin with, we hear him whisper to us, Fear not, I'm with you. You see, the message of Jesus was not, don't be afraid, I won't let bad things happen. That's magic. The message of Jesus was, don't be afraid when bad things happen. That's confidence in God. It's a confidence that's so big, that's so sure of God's presence, that's so sure of his love and his protection. It's a faith that's so big that it actually overwhelms and it overshadows our fear. Where God wants to take you and where God wants to take me is to that place where I wake up every single day and I ask the question, what would someone like me do if I was absolutely confident that God was with me? The problem is that fear and anxiety are on the rise here in this country. We know this. We know that there is, it's an epidemic at this point in time. Current estimates are that 40 million people uh, have been diagnosed with anxiety disorders just in the United States alone. That's about 20% of the population. Now, if you think about that, that's just folks who've been diagnosed. How many of you are worriers by nature? It's so easy to do, isn't it? And that's the tension here, is that God wants to take us to this place where he says, fear not. And we're just like, hold up, uh, did you not see all that stuff that just happened? Right, we've got our little list of God. Here's every reason that I have of why I'm nervous here. You should understand that, you're God. And so last week, again, the message last week was, we have to take this step if we're gonna follow Jesus. But this week, it's this. Sometimes you'll fear taking this step. Sometimes you'll worry about whether you're taking the right step or you're anxious about what will happen to you once you finally take the step. And then others of you, you're just afraid that you're gonna make a mistake even while taking the step. But the message this week is this. It's worth taking the step. Why? Why is it worth taking the step? It's because Jesus wants to show you that he's bigger than your fear. He wants to show you that he's bigger than your anxiety and he's bigger than your failures. That's why Jesus tells us to fear the one who can destroy both body and soul, meaning only fear God. We have nothing else to fear here on this earth. And yet the disciples still struggle with this. Let's take a peek at a story here where the disciples had a chance to really understand what Jesus was saying here. We're gonna to go to uh, the book of Mark, chapter four, verse 35. Uh, through verse 41, it says this, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. So they're gonna go from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. 
Verse 36, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? If you were to look at the Greek there, it's like, we are perishing to death, right? Perishing like we are dying, Jesus, until we're dead. Like this is pretty dramatic, the way that they're saying that. It's kind of funny. Verse 39, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And the disciples were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What we see here is the disciples realized that this rabbi who was in the boat with them, this wasn't just a man who spoke words that empowered people or spoke words that inspired people. They realized that this teacher is speaking words that creation obeys. And they feared him because in that moment, they got a true revelation of who Jesus was, that he wasn't just a man. He was more than that. Jesus wants to show you that he is bigger than your fear. Have you ever seen God's power in your life at work like that? Maybe not out on a sea, maybe not out in a boat where the storm just stopped all of a sudden, but have you ever been in a situation where things were tense and you needed God to come through and you remember crying out and you've prayed to him and you asked him to do something? Do you remember that moment when he did? What does that do for our faith when we get to have that revelation of God's glory in our life where something happens that's so inexplicable that it's only God could have stepped in and done that? What does that do for our faith? It's interesting too to me that, that all these moments where the disciples uh, really feared Jesus the most. Last week we looked uh, at the story that Jack shared, that Peter, he lets the boat out. And so uh, that Jesus teaches uh, from Peter's boat. And then when he's done teaching, he's like, hey, drop down those nets in the water. And Peter's like, it's afternoon. We're not gonna catch anything. We just fished all night when we would have caught something, whatever. I'm trusting you, fine. And he throws the nets in, right? Have you ever noticed that a lot of these situations where the disciples get this full revelation of God's glory, it happens in a boat. And I was thinking about that this week. This is such a simple point and such a simple thing, but what, what I think it's important for us to see here is that we also have to keep taking steps forward to follow Jesus. Otherwise, we'll fall behind. Now, the disciples, when these moments happen, they're in a boat, how do, they, how do they get left behind? Either they don't get in the boat, but once they get in the boat, they have to jump out and swim. They're not doing that in a storm. They're not doing that in the middle of a lake, right? They put themselves in an environment where they are forced to move forward with Jesus. They were in a place that they had no control over their environment, and so they kept going. And because they kept going, they got to experience the fullness of his glory because of it. That shows us something pretty powerful there, that maybe you feel like God has deserted you. Maybe you feel like you've missed something. You don't see him at work in your life anymore and you're not sure where he's at. 
And I would just ask the question, what was the last thing that God asked you to do? Have you been faithful to do that thing? Because maybe he asked you to do something and the fear kicked in or the anxiety kicked in or that fear of failure, that worry that you're gonna mess it up kicked in. And what happened was Jesus kept going and he wanted you to be following after him, but he had to keep going. What's the last thing that Jesus has asked you to do? Have you done that? If you're at that place where you feel that you just don't see God moving in your life, I would say that's a great place to start. But another thing that we see, uh, something powerful here, is that uh, the disciples in that moment, they just, they recognized they weren't in control. They're in an environment that they don't control. And so what we can see here is this. There's freedom in letting go of the things that we don't control. Instead, we need to hold on to the one who controls it all. It's what the disciples did here. And we need to recognize that one of the greatest goods that God has given us to worship him for is his sovereignty. The fact that God is in control of any and every situation, no matter how bleak, no matter how dark it is, we can trust that God is in control. Another person who knew this, another uh, apostle who knew this was Paul. Any of you who grew up in church, maybe you remember his story. He started out, his name was Saul, and he was a a Jewish uh, zealot, really. He studied the law. He was a brilliant man. Just he, gosh, this guy ended up writing over half of our New Testament. Why? Because he was actually out on the road to kill Christians. Any person who would proclaim this Jesus, he was against, and he wanted to take them out. And then as he's on the road, a light shines down and he has a conversation with this Jesus who's supposed to be dead, by the way. And he's like, what? He goes blind. He goes to this town where he's told to go. And three days later, a guy lays hands on him, prays for him, and he sees again. That will change your life, right? Like, I don't know about how you came to Christ, but if that were to happen to you, it'd probably be pretty easy, right? I wish that was our story. That's not my story. That's fine. It's all right. Point is, Paul suffered for his faith in ways that none of us will ever experience. If you've read the New Testament, you know this. He actually lists it off in 2 Corinthians at one point where he just goes through how many times he's been shipwrecked and left for dead and all these things. And you're just like, I don't know. That's a weird flex, Paul. That's a really weird flex. But his faith was so strong that it led him to say this in Romans 8:28. He says, and we know. No, 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 Paul. Hold on. You hope, right? No. We know. Come on, Paul, you believe. Like, you believe that this is true, right? No. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Paul got to watch God come through for him time and time again. This is the same Paul who wrote to one of his closest disciples, uh, Timothy, In the letter, 2 Timothy 1, 7, he said this, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let me tell you, this verse meant so much to me when I was in high school. As a a kid growing up, my mom will tell you, I was so shy, just meeting anybody new. Uh, When I was young, I, I would just bury my head in my dad's leg, you know? So it's just like, I would, heads here, 
just wrapped on tight and, you know, like the whole thing, like dragging me along because that's how scared I was just to talk to people. And even today, like I'm pretty introverted. I'll be honest about that to where it's like you all intimidate me, okay? You're probably thinking it's weird that I'm up here talking. I think it's weird that I'm up here talking. That's the power of Christ in me, all right? That's all that is. My mom will preach to that. She's probably watching right now. Hi, mom. So when I was in high school, I wrote this verse out because I had a wonderful youth pastor who challenged me to memorize this verse. And so I would write this verse out and I would stick that card on the mirror. I'd write it on another card. I'd pop that into my notebooks that I would take into class. Why? Because I knew that I had to overcome my fear of talking to people if I was ever gonna tell them about Jesus. And that was important to me. My faith has always been important to me and I wanted to make sure that people knew that I love Jesus and I wanted them to know the difference he had made in, in my life. And so for some of you who are, this fear thing is a real deal. The anxiety is a real deal for you. I would challenge you, write that verse out. Stick that up where you can see it and memorize it and see what God can do. As you start preaching to yourself those words, we'll come back to that in a moment. There's an important thing that Paul alludes to here in the middle of this verse though. This is kind of the last reason why this is so important that Jesus wants to take us to this place in our faith. He mentions the spirit of love that's been given to us. And I really think that that spirit is ultimately one of the best ways to measure your faith. And that's because an overwhelming faith that completely trusts and follows after Jesus is the kind of faith that frees us to love other people. When you get to the point that you don't fear people anymore, then the only one you fear is the one who can destroy both body and soul you recognize that you can now love the unlovable. It's the kind of love that allows you to love your ex-husband or your ex-wife or to love that attorney who's making your life miserable or that person who took advantage of you, the family member who abused you. It's the kind of love that allows you to pray for your enemies and some of you out there are like, what? Hold on, I don't even pray for my friends. I'm supposed to pray for my enemies? Yeah, you are. If you get to the place that your faith in God is tied into the fact that you are going to honor and fear the one who can control the soul, then your love for God will create parameters that are so broad that you'll be able to love the people who hate you. The disciple uh, John, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, following Jesus around, he wrote uh, in one of his letters, he said, perfect love casts out all fear. And so when all fear of anything that can happen to us on earth is replaced with a healthy fear of God, we're no longer afraid to reach out in love to those who have power over us or to those who have hurt us or those who've abandoned us. When you get rid of fear, when the fear of the people who can hurt you just in this life goes away, then all of a sudden your capacity for love opens up so wide that there's no fear whatsoever and you can love your enemies. Perfect love drives out fear. And that's because fear and love are incompatible. Jesus says, I've come to love the whole world and as my followers, I want you to love the whole world. And the only way to love the whole world is to get rid of the fear of man and to get rid of the fear of people and the things that could hurt you in this life. Have you ever met someone like that? 
Someone who just, it seemed that they were fearless. They had that fearless faith where they're just, they overflowed with a love so radiant and so beautiful that you couldn't help but be attracted to that. I know uh, we have one friend, Anya and I, in Ukraine. Christina Longs is her name, and she actually had a song on the album with Anya. That's how we met her. And she's from the city of Kharkiv. Now, if you've been following the news, you know that Kharkiv is a city that's been getting hammered pretty badly. And so on the first day that uh, the missiles started hitting Kharkiv, uh, she felt the Holy Spirit really uh, lead her that she needed to evacuate the city. So I was just reaching out to her this week um, to see how things been going. How are you doing? And I wanted to know, how have you had opportunities to share your faith? Because let me tell you about Christina. She loves Jesus, okay? And she wants to make sure everybody knows. She wants to make sure that you know why Jesus is so important to her. She has the gift of evangelism, okay? Like we're talking, it's just oozing out of her. It's beautiful. And she was talking about the day that she evacuated. They left Kharkiv and they were on a bus and they had to take this bus into Kiev. And so if you've seen maps recently, you know, Kiev is kind of in the center of Ukraine and you had to get to obviously to Kiev from Kharkiv from the far east side to get all the way over to, to Poland where she was um, able to cross the border and get to safety. But as she got to Kiev, she said uh, there was this moment that they were crossing the bridge that goes over the, the river that's there. And so I want you to think like big long bridge similar to like the Golden Gate Bridge in California. And so they're on this bridge and this is right as they've seen the planes flying overhead They've seen and heard the explosions that were just a few kilometers away. And so they were just gripped with fear as they hit this bridge. And she said the woman sitting next to her on the bus just reached out and grabbed her hand. And so in that moment, Christina just squeezed her hand back and started praying. And she said there was this overwhelming peace that just came into that moment where you could just, she felt the hand relax that was in her hand. And she felt her hand relax as well. And she said that there, every single city that she's been to, she has had the opportunity to pray with people, to share her faith with people. She said, I believe that God is gonna use this situation to create so many testimonies and I can't wait to be a part of it. Have you ever met someone like that in your life? And you're just like, this person's crazy at first, right? Like you're kind of like, they just don't know what I know. I'm a little bit smarter than they are because they clearly haven't suffered the way that I have. And then yet you spend enough time around a person like that, that you see, no, this is genuine. This is real. This is who they are. They cannot help but exude that. And you might sit here thinking, that's great. I want that. I really do. But Lyle, I have no idea how to even get close to that. I've got so many things going on in my life that I manage every day that I go to sleep and when I wake up, I just immediately, I'm flooded with the problems of yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And they just seem to keep piling up. What do we do? How do we handle that? And so I've just got two pieces of encouragement as we finish up here. One, look to the Psalms for an effective strategy to overcome your fear, your anxiety, or your failure. Because the Psalms are full of examples where we see David turn worry into worship. Psalm 42 is a great example. Psalm 42, three says this, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where's your God? So this is a person who's hurting, clearly, right? They're being mocked and their tears have been their food. They're just, they're crying. And yet verse five, literally two verses later, this is what the Psalmist says. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, 
for I shall again praise him, my salvation. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, the quote's a little bit too long to put on the screen, but it's in the app and you'll probably want to screenshot it like I did this week because it's just too good. He said this, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You haven't originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody's talking. Who is it that's talking to you? It is yourself that is talking to you. Now, the psalmist's treatment was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. And so he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. Why are you cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who he is, and what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. Then having done that, end on this great note. Defy yourself, defy other people, defy the devil and the whole world. And you say with this psalmist, with this man, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. What we have to do is we have to learn how to preach to ourselves. Because where does God ultimately want to take you on this journey of of following Jesus? He wants to take you to a place where he can whisper in your ear, fear not. And you fear not. And here's the good news. We said it earlier. Even the disciples really, really struggled to get this. They didn't get this until the end of their time. Over and over, he would test them. They continued to fail and he would ask them, why do you not believe? And they would say, listen, God, it's hard. I'm trying, but this is hard. It's difficult. It's okay to own that it's difficult. But when you fill your heart with the word of God and you learn how to preach to yourself in those moments, rather than listening to yourself and listening to your own thoughts, start listening to the God thoughts that he's put in you. You need to start listening to the thoughts that he has preserved for decades, for millennium, for all of time, so that we can go back and read them again. As we do that, the more and more we do that, we're able to take that simple step of preaching to ourselves instead of listening to ourselves. You're then able to turn your worry into worship. And that helps you learn to stop trying to control everything and everyone, and instead you get to cling to the God who controls everything. And you begin to see your faith grow as you watch Jesus overcome your fears. You find that it has freed you to love even the most unlovable people in your life, all to the glory of God. And eventually we begin to develop such a strong confidence that God's loving presence and provision is ours in Christ Jesus. So that our desire to follow him is stronger than any fear that we face along the way. For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love, and of a sound mind. Let's pray. God, how difficult this is, and how we absolutely struggle with this, and struggle with this, and struggle with this again and again. Lord, I know that there's people in this room that even now they're just rehearsing uh, their own circumstances going, how do I do this? How do I get my eyes off of my ex? 
How do I get my eyes off of my failing marriage? How do I get my eyes off of my financial situation? How do I get my eyes off of the fact that I'm alone again and I'm doubting? God, for everyone as they filter their circumstances through this message, I pray uh, that you would give them eyes to see, even if it's just for a moment, just for a brief moment, what it would be like to have a confidence that's so great in you that even in the midst of any circumstance, the most fearful circumstances, they would refuse to allow their fear to control their perspective or their decisions. So Lord, we just pray, would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us wisdom to know what to do with the message that we just received? And I pray, Father, that you would lead each and every one of us to that place where Paul was, where he said, and we know that in all things, for those who love God, all things will work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. We love you, Jesus. We submit ourselves to you and we pray in your name.
thank you uh, that those are loving hands and that as you bust up in them that you're whispering fear not I'm with you so we thank you for being a God who is with us a God who is for us help us to see that and to sense that and to live like that's true pray that in Jesus name amen Amen. You can grab a seat real quickly. We just want to thank you uh, again for joining us tonight. Thank you for partnering with us. Those of you who give financially, uh, if you're looking to do that, we've got the boxes in the back that you can always drop a physical offering in. Most people give online, which you can do through the app as well. Uh, a couple things we want to make you aware of. One, this Saturday uh, is going to be the second Saturday food distribution, which means this Friday we need to pack the boxes for the food distribution as well. So if you don't have anything going on on Friday morning and you can join us down at Caring Ministries, uh, you can get the information in the app about that, or you can see Jack or me, we can get you information. And then that means that Saturday, we're going to be giving out the food. So we meet here 8.30 in the mornings. Uh, the truck backs up 
we get to give those boxes out, pray with people. Uh, and it's usually about an hour. So if you've never done that, I encourage you, just come check it out one time. See what happens in that. See how that works. Uh, it's a really cool thing. Uh, also this Saturday, we've got our Dudes Day coming up. So anybody who likes golf, we're going to be going to Top Golf. Make sure that you go into the app uh, to sign up for that as well. It's a little bit of a cost uh, that will be with that as well. But we'd love to have you join us for our Dudes Day. Uh, we kind of mentioned earlier that uh, there's something that we want to do to help Ukraine. Usually when we see things happen, it, it's hard, especially when it's international, to know how can we be the church? What can we do that will provide tangible assistance to those who are on the ground? And so fortunately, uh, a friend of mine who's actually in Palm Springs has a connection uh, where they've started making uh, these medical kits in Palm Springs. And uh, with their ties with FedEx, they're able to overnight those to Eastern Poland and get those into the hands of Ukrainians. There's a real need uh, for medical supplies. They are out, the shelves are empty, and there is not much more coming in. And so this is a chance for us to tangibly do something to help out. So at the back table there where we normally have the 10 minute party, we'll still have the 10 minute party. I'll be back there when the service is done, but we've got the supplies that we're asking folks to get. There's also a flyer that you can grab that has the information about that. Uh, the important thing is just stick to what's on the flyer. It doesn't matter what brand you get, but it just needs to be the infra, like just the stuff that's on that flyer. If you want to take a picture of the boxes so you get an idea, I just went to Walmart and it wasn't even that expensive to get all of those things. Uh, so that's one thing that we're going to do. We're going to get those supplies. We're going to ask that you bring them back to church, uh, drop them off here at the church, uh, and then we'll, we'll get a team together to start packing those bags. So if you want more information about that, we launched a website just today, elementcitychurch.org slash Ukraine. So elementcitychurch.org slash Ukraine, you can go there and get more information about that. Yeah, with that, um, so again, you can grab one of these on the way out. Uh, you can shop for those supplies and bring them back here either next Sunday or throughout the week at the office, Monday through Thursday at Emmanuel's office. They're doing this with us and a few other churches potentially jumping in. So here's the deal. Tonight as we leave, uh, we want to kind of kickstart this. So here's a bucket. It's green. Blue and yellow together make green. That's the green, we had a green bucket. Um, so, uh, but what we want to do is on that website, you can give, uh, I'm going to start us. We're going to do a love offering. If you got cash, uh, you could do it. If this is above and beyond giving to the church, this is going to go to help buy medical supplies and anything above that. Uh, we're going to hold on to and we'll give every dollar away uh, to either churches or there's a seminary that Glenn Elliott helped start there a few 20 years ago and they are trying to get help to people on the ground there. So go. Uh, if you want to be a part of that, you can come see it. Drop it off today. You can give online if you want. Just make sure you take the, the drop down menu uh, that says Ukraine Love Offering. We'll have that open for uh, a couple weeks uh, and we'll do what we can to help. Okay, so grab one of these on the way out. Friends, why don't you stand up? If you're here, if you're online, let me just pray us out. God, thank you that you are a God who is for us and with us, and that you can, your presence beckons us to take our next step with you. May my friends here and the friends watching, may you entice them, comfort them, challenge them, and call them into their next step with you. We pray again for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. God, may your presence meet them in every need that's there. Would, there, would your activity be on display? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friends.